Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it's Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast. Presented, of course, by DraftKings. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. Most of you know this. This is one of my favorite podcasts because I like the combination of college football and pro football. I enjoy the process of evaluating college players, projecting them to the next level, and we are right in the thick of that process right now. You can always check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. Of course, we are at Ross Tucker Pod. That is growing on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My TikTok is blowing up at Ross Tucker NFL. Thanks to our new producer, Jack. And this show is also awesome because we got the man, the myth, the legend, the czar of the playbook. Emory Hunt at Fball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube, and most importantly, because it might be like a month away, footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. You know how many other draft evaluators have been at all the events Emory has been at? Zero. Exactly zero. Which, by the way, helps him because when he sees him in person, And he goes from one to the next to the next. He remembers what the guys look like the week before. So he remembers how they look better. That's why it matters. Emery, last week you were at the NFL PA Bowl, which is like the first couple you went to don't get a whole lot of attention. The NFL PA Bowl is like the third ranked, if you will, all-star game. And you start to hear about those practices a little bit. Who jumped out to you? What were your takeaways from that? By the way, we're getting into the uh, AFC-NFC Conference Championship game takeaways a little bit later in the show. I've got a bunch. I think Emory does as well. One of my favorite things that we do. So make sure you stay tuned, but we got to hit the college stuff first. Who jumped out at the NFL PA Bowl? Well, well first, Ross, uh, listen, this is my second year going to the NFL PA Bowl, love the event. Pasadena Pasadena is beautiful. The Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. It's gorgeous. Um, And to be honest, it was me and one other guy and a bunch of NFL scouts just checking out practice. That's what was dope about it. You know what I'm saying? You're really out there amongst the scouts because there's no media out there. And so one of the guys that, that really stood out was obviously quarterback Lindsey Scott Jr., you know, that was someone I was excited to see. He was out there throwing the football around the yard, doing what he did all throughout his FCS career. I thought all of the quarterbacks, for the most part, had really good weeks because Todd Centillo, who is a fantastic quarterback out of James Madison, started at Temple, then went to Colorado State, then he's now at uh, James Madison. This is the second All-Star game because he was at the Tropical Bowl just last week. So I got to see him last week and got to see him move up the ranks and perform well in this all-star game against higher competition. The same for Adrian Martinez, who was at the Hula Bowl, and now he's he was at the NFL PA game. You saw him perform well. Malik Cunningham earned himself, you know, a, a senior bowl invite. So he got up upgraded to the senior bowl after what he did out there this week. So I thought all the quarterbacks did well. 
But Mitchell Tinsley, the wide receiver for Penn State, was a man amongst boys, and that earned him a call up to the uh, East West Shrine Bowl. It was it was funny because the first day of practice, you saw the Southern Miss corner. His name slips me, but had him in a had him in vice grips. Then after that, he was just on point the rest of the week, and it was just phenomenal to see. Uh, the Boise State defensive lineman, who also got a call up to the East-West Shrine Bowl, as well as name slips my mind, but he was another one that was just a terror in one-on-ones. And it was so ridiculous to watch him just dominate. It reminded me a lot of what Trey Hendrickson, Hendrickson did a couple of years ago at the East-West Shrine game when it was in St. Pete, where he shut down practice. And, you know, it was a situation where a coach had, okay, this guy's been tearing up practice all throughout the day. We're going to end practice in a one-on-one drill. And if this lineman can block Hendrickson in one-on-one, you know, we, we, uh, offense doesn't have to, offense has to do push-ups or has to run. Man, he whipped this man so quick, just like he was doing all throughout practice. And that's what this guy from Boise State was doing. So those guys just initially stood out. And the two under, under, um, Marty Mapu, um, Mapu from Sacramento State. Uh, undersized linebacker, but because he's undersized, he's tailor-made for today's game. He's me- he measured in at 6'2", 225, was excellent in coverage. Excellent, I'll tell you, in coverage. So was Baskerfield for LSU, the linebacker. Every time I look up, he had the ball in his hand, and he plays defense. And also the other linebacker, Michael Ayers from Ashland, who I wrote about earlier in the year, 6'1", 6'2", 225, and those that height and weight and athleticism. This is a kid that also played cornerback at one point in time in college, grew into a linebacker, and now he has the cover skills that you look for at the second level. So those right off the fresh part of my, my brain, off of a red eye, are the ones that stood out from NFL PA. I love it, man. That's awesome. All right. Then what about the shrine practices that you, you know, were at? Uh, they kind of stagger, right? The shrine practices are like over the weekend. People go to those, you know, the first two or three days. Then they then they all fly to Mobile to see the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices in Mobile, right? Yeah. And so I missed today's practice. This was, you know, this would have been the third practice. So I caught Saturday's practice, Sunday's practice, caught the red eye at 1 a.m. And then I got to Mobile. Um, I, I landed in New Orleans at about 1045. So. That was the red eye into New Orleans. And so there were some scouts on my plane, on my flight back. So a lot of guys left yesterday, and there were some that were still out there. Um, And we all got lucky because I saw it was raining out there in Vegas. Uh, Go figure. So, you know, what was cool about that was it was interesting because everybody wanted to see Zay Flowers. He didn't practice the first day, and it was rumored that he was going to do everything the next day that didn't involve a defense. So he was going to do indie, and he was going to do – that's it, just indie, and maybe some special teams. But someone must talk to him overnight because he did everything uh, that next day. And you just clearly saw the speed and explosiveness. He just plays at a different speed, Ross. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, this dude is going to be a first-round pick, and he has that first-round athleticism. Uh, when you also look at uh, the wide receiver from – I'm sorry, defensive back – uh, from, geez, from uh, Florida. There was a safety. 
I wish I I should grab my we on a podcast. I could grab my my what you gonna call it my sheet so I could see. Stop trying to remember everything. Um, Florida's safety. I want to make sure I get this kids right, and that was Trey Dean the third. I was I knew Trey. We talked about him before in the summer, and Trey is someone I said you know he flies downhill. He, he's going to hit you in the mouth. But I was surprised by the range he has at the position. And this was something that just, you know, you saw him cover one-on-one, uh, did it well. You know, you thought he was a corner. In team periods, you thought he was a, was a linebacker. That's how hard he hits. Uh, but this was something that yeah, I know scouts watch, but I just took notice of it because it was just interesting. So on the last practice, the last team period uh, yesterday, when his group was done, and they were getting ready to work on special teams. He comes off the field and he starts on one end and shakes the hand of every player on defense. Just like daps him up, you know, like good work, good work. Like he went down the line. That's something that won't show up in the stat sheet. That's something that won't show up on any of the highlight films that I post. That's something that, you know, you see, you like, geez, this dude, like that, that's something that's, that's good leadership, right? That just looks well. And there were two small college DNs, uh, Caleb Murphy, who was Mr. Everything at Ferris State. They're a well coached out there at Ferris State, um, like one of the back-to-back Division II national champions. And B.J. Thompson of Stephen F. Austin. What was fascinating about both guys, they're long. They're, they're, uh, Murphy measuring at 6'4", 250. B.J. was about 6'4", and some change, 250. But – for, oh, he was about 235. But for BJ, watching someone that long get his zone drops and accelerate and cover as much ground as he did and flash a lot of, you know, uh, twitch and, and bend coming off the edge, he reminded me a lot of a former standout at Stephen F. Austin that's, that's now tearing it up in the CFL, has been a CFL All-Star, and that's um, Willie Jefferson. Like he he was doing a fantastic job up there, long, athletic. So I was shocked at how uh, lengthy this group was. Andre Jones of Louisiana, another one. I was shocked at how large he is in person. 6'4", 250, had a one-arm stab that was just dominating uh, offensive linemen. And so those those guys initially stood out to me. Um, just, you know, racking. Because, again, you watch a lot of football in a week. And so just to quickly remember, those are the guys that, that really stood out. Wow. Um, that's interesting, by the way, about Mitchell Tinsley. He had a really good year for um, for Penn State as a uh, grad transfer from Western Kentucky. They really needed him, and he stepped up, especially when they didn't have Parker Washington in the Rose Bowl. Really helped to have Mitchell Tinsley, no question. Um, that's interesting about Zay Flowers, too. You know, it sounds like, Emery – are there a bunch of guys that have pulled out of the senior bowl? I think I saw Dane Brugler tweet something about that. Listen, there's a bunch of guys that pulled out of the NFLPA game. There are guys that pulled out the Shrine Bowl, and there's guys that pulled out the senior bowl. My guess is this. I think we're starting to see, first of all, guys are playing 15-game college football seasons now. So – why have an extra game of wear and tear on your body? I get that. But you also have a situation where NIL has made it 
easy for guys to maybe sit out all-star games. And also guys have gone back to school. So maybe the pickings are slim uh, for these all-star games. But, you know, I know the big story over the weekend was Stetson Bennett. Um, he, he declined to participate in the senior bowl and then he ends up getting arrested for public intoxication in Dallas, Texas. Now my, cause I was at the, we were at the shrine bowl practice when that news broke. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what did you have to do or how intoxicated were you for them to have to arrest you? You know, if you're drunk, and they'll just tell you like they'll they'll either say hey man go go you know go sit down over there cool off or whatnot or we're your friends we're your homeboys but you have to really go above and beyond for cops to really you know <laughs> arrest you for public intoxication and secondly this is you know catering his his draft stock he had a nice little buzz coming off the playoff game, coming off the championship game. These people start talking about, well, hey, man, look, you know, he beat Bryce Young. There's someone that could probably get, you know, drafted in the mid-rounds, probably the second round. And then you have declining the senior bowl invite. And then you compound that by also getting arrested for public intoxication in Dallas. So it's like there are a lot of questions going in. He probably just off this last week played himself out of a draft pick. My first thought was there's no way any cop in the state of Georgia arrested Stetson Bennett for public intoxication. There's just no way. And then they saw it was Dallas. I was like, okay, okay. TCU. That cop would be fired in Georgia. There's no way. All right, Emery, so who else is out? Um, What will you be watching? Give us the Senior Bowl preview. Well, what I'll be looking for in the Senior Bowl is to see some of these quarterbacks. I, I, one team, to me, has an intriguing list. You got Malik Cunningham. You have Jaron Hall from BYU, who we've talked about a lot. You have Jake Hayner out of Fresno State, who we talked about a lot on this podcast as well. All three of those guys are on the same team. So that kind of – I like that quarterback roster. I also want to see how the trenches do because until – listen, what I saw – in Vegas, just in those two days of practice from the Shrine Bowl, both defensive lines, both offensive lines, those two Washington offensive linemen were fantastic. Uh, the the offensive lineman from Maryland was fantastic. I, and the two D tackles from Ohio State was excellent. So I am coming off of outstanding point of attack play. I want to see that here. So I'll be focused exclusively on the O-line, D-line, and how they get after it. Um, but I also want to see those quarterbacks. I, I don't know which team they're on, east or west, or north or south, whatever the senior bowl is calling it, you know, peanut butter or chocolate. I don't know what they're calling their teams uh, this year. You know, so I that group of quarterbacks are, are going to be good. Um, I want to see those guys. But, yeah, that, I want to see the offensive line and defensive line. Oh, and I will say this. Another standout. Not, I'm, I have to make this a point. Another standout uh, from – the Shrine Bowl was Matthew or Michael Turk, the punter. Listen, bro. No, come on. No. Listen, Ross, I am not a punting scouting expert, but the ball just sounds different off his foot. And when you saw it, you was like, 
everybody, it was like everybody's kind of like, oh, here's another doggone special teams period by the Patriots. Next thing you just do, everybody's kind of like, I'll be damned. Ball damn near without the stadium. So he did it again. And it's like, not only are you getting distance, you're getting hang time. And so he kicked two monster punts in a row. And then it's all right, let's let's rest his leg. They use a jugs machine. Didn't go as far as his leg. Then he comes right back up and boom. It's like this is ridiculous, man. And if you look at his thighs, they're like this. They're they're just like they're tree trunks. So this dude, he he was that impressive punting the football. Oh, and going back to the now stuff starting to come back. Going back to NFL PA Bowl, Johnny Lumpkin of the Louisiana Raging Cajuns was shocked that he he checked in at 6'5", 273. Did not look 273, Ross, and carried it well, ran well. We know it's inline blocking skills. He was excellent all week long. He shocked a lot of scouts um, with, with how much he weighed and how well he moved within his routes. And back at the, the uh, Shrine Bowl, Tavion Thomas, the running back from Utah, he measured in at 6'1", 247. And the 247 blew my mind because I'm watching him like he, he carries it well. He looks like a Bam Morris or Barry Ward, one of those big backs with quick feet, right? So obviously he's probably going to have to drop some weight. I'll, I'll be interested to see what he weighs at the combine, but to come in at 247 at 6'1", and carrying it well, it, it looks it looks impressive. And I, I don't know if you saw my tweet too, Speaking of running backs at all-star games, seeing Eddie George and Brandon Jacobs field level, how do you tackle those dudes, bro? Like, Eddie George <laughs> got bigger as practice went on. And, and, like, he just kept getting taller and bigger. Like, I just don't understand. Like, I can't imagine being a defender trying to tackle Brandon Jacobs, who was coaching up the tight ends, and Eddie George, who's the head coach of the national team. Those guys looked like the uh, ends. I've seen them both. Um <clears throat> So, um, by the way, how do you get ready for Valentine's Day and not go to myfrontpagestory.com? Just do it. Use the code RTFP10, the number 10, to get your significant other the greatest Valentine's Day gift ever. If you listen to other shows, you've heard me talk about it, but it's incredible. Get them a story that's all about them. Give them the front page treatment they deserve, myfrontpagestory.com. Let's get into some of the championship game takeaways, Emery, from yesterday's games. What, uh, what, if anything, jumped out to you? From the Eagles game, you know, everyone obviously will talk about, uh, you know, the quarterbacks. But how about this? How about making sure when you, when you scout a guy and what makes you like him as a prospect – you put him in that position as a pro player so he can continue to be the guy that you like when you scouted him as a prospect. I'm talking about Hassan Reddick. This is what Hassan Reddick should have been doing from Jump Street. Why was he playing off the ball in Arizona? You put his hand in the dirt like they had at Temple. You let him rush the passer. You had your own little mini diet, Von Miller, already at your disposal. And he's wrecking havoc. He made the play of the game early in the game with the fumble, forced fumble sack hit injury to Brock Purdy. 
Like, and I, I kept thinking, like, man, if he was we we saw him at Temple, you know, we remember watching those games and being at the stadium and seeing how much of a terror he was coming off the edge. Um, and then he gets to the pros and people considered him a bust by how he played or didn't play in, in Arizona. But he goes to Philly and they do exactly what he did at Temple, and he's thriving and making game-changing plays. So that was the first takeaway I had from uh, Championship Weekend. Um, That is a good one. Uh, One that jumped out to me, I'm just not – I'm not the guy that you're going to tell that running backs don't matter. (laughs) Like, Christian McCaffrey's touchdown run was one of the sickest runs I've ever seen. Like, I was right there, Emery. Mm-hmm. He hurdles a safety, not easy to do. And as he lands, I don't know how he did this, but as he lands, he teleported laterally to make the next guy miss. Then, with like no momentum, gets hit by two guys, bounces off, and runs in for a touchdown. That guy is a difference-making player, and we saw that all year. Unfortunately, we know the quarterback issues for the Niners, which, by the way, and and also Pacheco made a difference. Kenny G, my guy, Kenny Gainwell for the Eagles makes a difference when he's out there. The other one I would say, though, how about quarterback depth? You know, there's a conversation to be had for, you know, having three quarterbacks active, but I know it doesn't happen that much, but you got to constantly be drafting those guys. And by the way, kudos to the Niners. They did it. They had Jimmy G, they had Trey Lance, and they uh, they drafted Purdy anyway in the seventh round. So they did it. The Niners did it and deserve credit for that. Um, unfortunately, while we're recording, Emory, he's got a torn UCL, according to Adam Schefter. He's out for at least six months. How about that guy coming back in the game? Right. I mean – that is a tough dude right there. Oh, absolutely, man. Like that when he and first the first sign of toughness is when he admitted he can't throw it. Like, you know, hey man, I want to get back out there, but I just can't throw. I'm gonna be a detriment. That takes a lot of toughness right there, instead of going out there and being a liability. Um, I thought they were gonna go to Jawan Jennings, who was the fourth rated quarterback in his uh high school recruiting class. Ahead of Sam Darnold, picture that you know coming out of uh, California. So I thought he was going to be the emergency quarterback, not McCaffrey. And speaking of McCaffrey, that run you described—the only other run I saw that was very similar that I just couldn't explain—was the Reggie Bush run versus the Cardinals in the playoffs, where he came off of a spin and quick. It was Brian McFadden, my guy B Mac, and Calais Campbell just like coming off of a spin and quickly just boom, boom and jump laterally. These two guys dive at no one, and he went off to the races for a touchdown in the playoffs. But, again, we're describing two first-round running backs. Those are the guys you take in the first round. That's special. And I agree with you about game. Well, I think he's the better runner. He has a, a, a natural feel for the run game than Miles Sanders, who's good. But I think Gainwell just sees it better, feels it better, and is able to hit it as it's opening up, which is why he tends to break a long run. The other thing I, I, I one other takeaway I had was um, how dominant, uh, you know, 
I've always been of the mindset to give me all the give me all the touchdown makers, give me all the guys that you know take the ball away, to all the, all the interceptors, give me the sackers, and give me the you know the, the the quarterback that's not scared. Give me the dual threat guy, right? But just watching Philadelphia and in some all throughout the season watching San Francisco as well. If you don't build your team inside out, you don't have a chance to go far. We saw Cincinnati go outside in. And while they're good and they're fun to watch, the team that's built inside out since, you know, Clark uh, Shaughnessy's split T formation, they'll win the game. Like, if you dominate that box with those five guys and four on the other side, you're going to win more than you lose. And watching how the Eagles O-lineman just took Javon Kinlaw from a one-tech and made him a corner, you know, by how many times they tossed him outside the gaps, it was it was, it, it became comical. I, I said this to a guy I was talking to at the bar. It's like, you know, after they scored that first touchdown, Philly really didn't have to throw again. They should have stopped throwing. They, they should have stopped. The run they should game, have just kept running. The, the, th- the throwing the was hurting them. Exactly. Every time they ran up the middle, it was there for the taking. All you saw was green on white jerseys and escorting them, you know, to the second and third level. It was phenomenal to see. So I, I am, I am now team build inside out as opposed to I was a staunch outside in guy. Um, couple other things, quick for me. Speed at linebacker, man, watching like those Niners linebackers or Willie Gay. Um, and then you can't have too many corners or D linemen. So the Eagles rotation on D line is impressive. Even guys like Milton Williams, right. third round pick last year from La Tech, like he makes a difference. And then the Chiefs had like three rookies in the secondary after Sneed went down. And those kids had all played well and stepped up, and they needed them to. That's why you draft a bunch of corners like that. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Not just playing well, making significant plays. Both guys had picks. Both rookies had picks. You know, and, and that's what you want. You know, are you ready for the moment? And when you're drafting guys, and I would say this too, another scouting thing, and this is based off what we talked about so far, because we're starting to see now the uptick in injuries, especially concussions, and that you know that knocks you off the game. Game day rosters have to expand, active game day rosters, um, so you can be a little bit more flexible with your depth. Because forty five active on game day is not going to cut it anymore in, in this new era of, you know, with the independent uh, doctor that sees you knocked out. Um, they, they're they're going to have to do something to expand the game day rosters to help these teams out. Check him out on social media at Fball Game Plan on Twitter, Football Game Plan on YouTube. We're YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You can always hit me up on social at Ross Tucker NFL as well. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and The Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.